EU Futures Podcast, a project of the Center for the Study of Europe at Boston University. Welcome to the EU Futures Podcast, exploring the emerging future in Europe. I'm Olya Jordanian, an outreach coordinator at BU Center for the Study of Europe. Today is May 17, and I talk to Sarah Poli, an associate professor of European law at the University of Pisa, Italy. Uh, I'm Sarah Poli, an associate professor of the University of Pisa, and my field of expertise is European law. Actually, I've always studied European law since the, you know, the final paper of the undergraduate studies. So I'm very fond of this uh, topic and I'm also um, convinced from you know, the political point of view that uh, there is no other option for a, a new member state. Uh, a, a new member state can only be in the European Union. Um, there's no future outside uh, the European Union and uh, I, I moved quite a lot uh, in Europe during my uh, career. I'm, uh, I would say, uh, a perfect uh, example of uh, uh, the way the Erasmus Plus uh, program works. Uh, I'm an Italian citizen who, have, who has studied abroad I studied in Belgium, I studied in the UK and I worked in Belgium and in the UK and then I went back to my home country and I uh, actually applied to become a professor and uh, in years this has happened. So uh, I took advantage of the free movement of persons and in particular the free movement of students which is one of the probably one of the most important achievements of the European Union. Uh, for the young generations. Uh, I think it's very important that students can move around and can go without any obstacle to another country and being able to study there, paying more or less the same amount of money that local students pay. And um, I think this is something that the current generations keep for granted. But, uh, you know, it has not always been there. So I think it is one, uh, personally, I'm a convinced uh, supporter of the European Union also because of my personal experience. You know, I could uh, grow up thanks to the EU support because I applied for fellowships and uh, I could uh, study and work abroad because of uh, EU money. So I'm very grateful uh, to the European Union, to the people who decided that uh, they would offer to young generations these kind of opportunities. Uh, I Just to, to finish, three years ago I applied um, for a Jean Monnet um, chair, which I currently hold, and uh, this is a, again a teaching program supported by the European Union. In the last three years I organized Jean Monnet lectures at my home university with people coming from Armenia, Russia, uh, Ukraine, uh, UK, uh, the Netherlands and so on and so forth. And the students could benefit very much from this uh, kind of uh, experience 
and uh, I also carried out research thanks to these uh, funds. So I'm, I think I have another here. There is another example of how my career has been positively, positively affected by uh, the European funds. Sounds great. And my first question would be, what is the emerging future in the European Union right now? What kind of future is emerging? Well, there is a lot of uncertainty about it because there are many worries at, the moment, at this moment in time for the European Union. Um, first of all, we have domestic worries uh, linked to the UK referendum, which, is, uh, which will take place very soon on the 23rd of June. Um, the future of the European Union is very much in the hands of the British uh, since uh, if the UK leaves the European Union then this would have a knock-on effect on other sceptical member states. So that is the first domestic worry that the European Union has. Uh, the second uh, one is uh, the crisis. Uh, we are uh, still recovering from the crisis. Um, Greece is still in a very difficult situation despite uh, uh, the financial support that um, the, the, the wider community has provided to uh, Greece, not only the European Union but the International Monetary Fund. Um, other countries such as my countries uh, are not growing, they have a huge uh, public debt and uh, it is under control, but it is not falling, so this is a concern. Um, other countries in the EU are in a similar situation, um, but beyond um, economic uh, aspects uh, that uh, worries all of us in the EU, now there is also the migration problem. Uh, we are uh, very close to the southern neighbours and there, there are civil wars, there are people escaping from authoritarian regimes, uh, there are people who want to go to Europe to have a better life, which is totally legitimate uh, because they uh, do not make a living in their home country. And uh, of course, uh, they have uh, the legitimate right to look for a better future. But at the same time, uh, this is a very bad period for European solidarity in this area. Uh, because of the crisis, first of all, but also because uh, the people are very worried about the future and they tend to be xenophobic. And uh, the government in power cannot ignore these feelings, although they are, they could not be totally rational or totally justified, but you know, it's part of the democratic game. The government in powers cannot really uh, ignore uh, the feelings and the uh, worries of their constituencies. Uh, so we have uh, to deal with immigration. And it's not easy to deal with immigration because uh, member states of the European Union maintain very strong powers in these areas, very strong sovereign powers. Um, and each of them would like to react the way it likes it to, the, to this immigration crisis. But that's not possible. We have to, have a, we have to give a common response to this major security challenge. 
uh, and uh, it's not easy to do that. The European Commission tries to put the countries together. Uh, they have devised uh, several you know, relocation plans and uh, um, resettlement schemes, but they are not working well uh, because of member states' resistance. So these are the major concerns, and as you know, uh, some of the member states have uh, instituted, uh, re reinstituted the, the border checks. They close uh, the, the the borders, especially the, the small countries. Uh, even Hungary, actually, that is not a, a small country, did that. Uh, to some extent, uh, the situation has now improved, but uh, uh, it is still problematic. And this is a big wound for the European integration project, because, you know, the, the Schengen area is one of the jewels of the crown, I would say. And if this uh, is uh, in jeopardy, then what's the future for the European Union? So these are really big issues, and uh, there are no clear answers to all these uh, worries, I'm afraid. Great, you, you mentioned the migration crisis and what do you think how it will affect one of the core essential principles of the European communities, free movement of people? So how this migration crisis is going to affect free movement of people within the European Union? Well, if the member states um, Start to do border checks again. Uh, this is gonna this is gonna affect even you know the European citizens, and this is gonna be costly. Uh, one should not forget that having border controls is uh, expensive, and uh, therefore uh, both the economy and uh, the the free movement of uh, EU citizens will be affected by this policy. Uh, it is not only contrary to the Schengen, a key to re reinstitute uh, uh, border controls, but it is also an anti-economic policy, if I may say so, and uh, it hurts uh, one of the basic principles of the European Union integration, which is the free movement of persons, of which I benefited. And how this will affect the whole integration process if you look ahead, let's say, in 2020 or 2025? Hopefully, this is going to be a temporary situation. But of course, uh, how long is uh, the temporality? <laughs> how long is temporary? I think it will, this will depend also on the way uh, you know, the, the Syria conflict uh, is managed. Uh, it depends on the peace process, if there are a prospect of a peace process. Uh, I, my feeling is that uh, uh, we will have to live with uh, flows of immigration. Um, there, there is no... Um, uh, I don't think that we will go back to the, uh, to the past in this respect, because after the Arab Spring everything has changed in the Northern African countries. And, uh, of course, uh, not only the immigrants do not only come from northern African countries, but from Eritrea, from the Horn of Africa, from other parts of Africa, and this is going to continue. So this, is, this problem is going to stay with us for a long time. And my impression is that uh, uh, the EU should change its policy, and it should um, 
allow uh, more mobility for people who are in search of a better life or well, they are in search of a safer life because being in Syria is not safe. So my feeling is that uh, the member states will have to uh, change their attitude on this. But the big uh, question mark is how uh, are um, uh, the European citizens reacting to this? My fear is that uh, uh, the xenophobic movements could grow as a result of these um, courageous uh, openings. Germany, to some extent, for example, has opened a bit uh, the border to Syrian uh, refugees, but this was very much uh, opposed at home. So uh, I don't know, my, my worries there would go to the rise of xenophobic movements, because this uh, this is the probably the worst of the scenario. You know, they would uh, destroy all the, or they they will try to uh, question very basic uh, assumptions such as uh, the membership, the membership of a member state in the union. Uh, so this is quite a, a serious worry that could be coupled with the decision to become more flexible on the immigration policy. So we should see how this is going to work. We see a rise in nationalistic parties across Europe. So do you see any link between the rise of nationalistic parties and then, as you you mentioned, xenophobic movements or xenophobic attitudes among the citizens? Absolutely. There is a link. Because, of course, when um, a third country national uh, comes uh, or a refugee uh, applies for asylum and then he uh, receives asylum protection or uh, other kind of international protection, then, of course, he he's able to, to, to have some uh, benefits such as you know, being able to work, being able to live in a country, etc. And this creates a competition with uh, the European citizens who are in a difficult situation. Think about uh, the Greeks, for example. Uh, you know, for many of the Greek, the government had to cut their salaries quite dramatically in the last years. And therefore now they feel somehow uh, in competition with foreigners and therefore uh, their attitude cannot be positive. And the problem is that uh, there are no new ideas on how to uh, tackle all these problems which are going to stay with us for a long time, they will not disappear. There is a lack of uh, long-term vision, there is a lack of new ideas on how to, to, to solve this situation. So then what's your vision of the European Union? I think there are the energies of uh, to, to keep the project ongoing. Um, solidarity has to filter, filter somehow. And uh, solidarity is not the only ingredient. Uh, and it has to be coupled with uh, uh, conflict management, then you should have, I think, uh, 
a more active role in uh, solving conflicts in the neighbors. This is quite a difficult uh, political decision because, you know, in the area of the common foreign security policy, uh, you know, the member states still have, still are in control. The, the EU coordinates their action, but, uh, you know, it's difficult to totally coordinate uh, the action of the member states. So I don't know if they will let the European Union step in. But I think it, it would be much better if the Union as a global actor would step in um, and uh, if it would be involved in conflict uh, uh, resolution in the, in the neighbours. To some extent the EU has done so, if you look at the Eastern uh, neighbours, uh, I think there uh, I'm still surprised, I must say, that uh, we have quite a, a uniform approach vis-à-vis -vis Russia, for example. I, um, uh, I'm waiting for uh, the minute, uh, the, I'm waiting for the news that uh, one of the member states is uh, um, withdrawing the support to Russian sanctions. Uh, and I have been waiting for the last two years because I, I still cannot believe that uh, we are so <laughs> compact on this. So this is quite a remarkable sign of uniformity. And this also means that, uh, you know, if we do things together, we are stronger. And that's the way to go. I would just ask, um, what do you think of the deal that's been made between um, Angela Merkel and Turkey for dealing with the migrant crisis? Um, at a, more of a legal standpoint, because obviously you focus on European law and how um, in the long term that will affect um, the rights of free movement and for people if um, sure. you're trading visas. <laughs> so you mean the, the bilateral deal, basically, mm -hmm. that uh, Germany did with Syria? Well, on the one hand, this was a generous move, uh, taking into consideration the, serious, uh, the seriousness of the humanitarian situation in Syria. At the same time, uh, when I um, teach to my students, when I speak with my students about this initiative, the first thing that they would say is that, well, why didn't Germany take the same with other countries such as Eritrea or uh, other poor countries in the, uh, the Horn of Africa, uh, their people are in desperate need. There are wars there, there are famines. So it's difficult to uh, distinguish between different categories of vulnerable people, vulnerable peoples. They are vulnerable. Uh, therefore, uh, um, uh, the move that Angela Merkel did is criticized since it distinguishes between different categories of people in need. And uh, uh, the um, realist view of this move is that uh, Syrian people are uh, on average highly skilled people that could be useful in Germany uh, to support uh, the growth of the country and to uh, therefore they could be useful, generally useful for Germany. So it's not a, a humanitarian move, but it is more an economically calculated move. But still, although my students are very uh, concerned about this and they are quite critical about Germany, I think uh, it is still uh, an important move and I'm happy that this was done.
by Germany. Thank you so much for the interesting conversation. Thank you so much to you for this interview. It was my pleasure. Podcast, a project of the Center for the Study of Europe at Boston University, funded by a Getting to Know Europe grant from the European Commission delegation in Washington, D.C.